going on guys welcome to another episode of the modeling and pod narratives podcast i'm your co-host jordan flowers and i'm with my boy who uh takes vacations pretty often trey mosley is back in the building <laughs> we here for another <laughs> yeah bro you you've been off for it's, a little bit you got a little layoff bro it's another it's another disney banger man man i've been busy dog moving into your crib on the just bro, you I, I, you've probably played 18 holes of golf every day bro Oh yeah, bro. Yeah, we're golfing a lot. You know, I'm trying to be like Tiger, bro. One of these days, I'm telling you, when I'm a scratch golfer and you see me in the pro ams, and we and I'm talking about the pod, all of that, we getting we getting crazy. You gonna come back to this video? We gonna play this clip, and you gonna know that this was the whole vision the whole time. Yeah, bro. Speaking of golf, though, too, bro. Is we got another, you know, we got a golfer, you know, in the building for for our interview. But before, but before we get into that, bro, I gotta let you know. Remember, like I went to Top Golf, bro. That was the first time I swung a driver, bro. Oh, yeah. And I will not show you all the video, bro. I'm cool. Uh, it's so bad, bro. Like I'm like, bro, I'm just stick to stick to throwing footballs. But without further ado, man, we got a special guest in the building for season three, season of separation, and one of my brothers, one of my clear friends um, for a long time, D1 golfer. At Alabama AM, he Golden State Steph fanatic, famous in the shoe business. And of course, you know, I only invite my my fellow Central Eagle alum, my boy Marcus Polk is in the building today. What's going on, big dog? What's good? I did this this golf dream I never even heard of. So now we got to, you know. <laughs> oh, so look, check this out though. Yeah. I let it be known that I'm only golf for like two years tops. Truthfully and honestly, two years tops. This Yo, is it, it is a it is really a long like far dream. I do not think I'm like that. I know I'm not very good, but I can hit the ball far. Yeah. And the only thing that I can hit straight is my driver. So I feel like I'm already halfway ahead of everybody. Yeah, no. Halfway. That, that's a fact. And I started late too. So, I mean, it. it's funny because when you're an athlete and you get into golfing, like, you're a lot better than most of the people that start golfing. Like, people start golfing in their 30s. They're not True. athletic. And it, they just struggle. But as an athlete, we pick it up so much faster already from other sports. And then, yeah. You, you can be nice. I, so I guess I'm not an athlete, bro. Because when I say my golf swing is bad, dog, like it is terrible, dog. But let's we'll get into the golf portion of that in a little bit. But man, we are super happy to have you on for season three, season of separation, bro. And of course, but we had to open it up with some uh some hilarious dog. He not only a central alum, but he was also on the team of the 2014-15 the Omaha Central Basketball team and I got a funny story to tell you about my boy and he gonna laugh as soon as I start bringing this up so I gave my boy a concussion like middle of the season 
I had gave my boy, we brought Trey. We were running a drill, right? And bro, like I, I can't oh, remember this what it is. This ain't even in a game. This, this is, is practice, 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 bro. Okay, okay. So you was a tryhard in high school basketball <laughs> practice, uh, bro. Like, <laughs> no, no. Matter of fact, you might as well let me tell the story because go ahead, uh, tell it, bro. Tell it, bro. This man is the biggest tryhard in practice I have ever <laughs> seen. We are like two weeks out from the first game of the season, bro. And we're in the group. We're running. We're running like a full court like layup. Three man weave. Pretty much. Yeah, real, bro. Yeah. Literally, point guard gets it, outlets it to who's ever running the wing. They make a layup, and so me and him are the two wings. So right. he does. They pass it to his wing. He does his layup, and I have to run full court with him. So I cut like a normal human being. He's doing the layup. I cut at the free throw line so to oh, not man. get in his way so he can do the layup. I go free throw line and go the other way. This right. dude decides he wants to go under the baseline. Like he wants to go where like we're both doing layups at the same time. Wow. Oh, so so he does. literally I'm sprinting. I literally get the ball. I go up to do my layup. I hear Iron Man coming under the baseline. As soon as I get down from my layup, his forehead, and that man got a strong head, his forehead dead into my forehead. He did not feel it. He kept moving. No. I stopped. And went Hey, bro, bro, concussed my first I ever concussion. That. I was out of it. Bro, like, oh, I, first shit. off, that that was 100% accurate. Like, he definitely told the story. In my defense, like he said, bro, like, I kind of blank out in practice, bro. Like, we'll get into that a little bit. But, uh, bro, the, uh, that easily the funniest basketball team to ever be a part of. The other funny part about his concussion, it's not funny, though. But so, like, Marcus is getting ready to come back, right, from the concussion. Like, he, like, right on right. the brink of coming back, bro. And I think it was KB who we – I think we're yeah. we going to have him on this season as well. But I think KB threw the head. I mean, I'm talking about he like a practice away from clearing concussion, bro. And K, KB, my boy Carson, beams it at Marcus' head, bro. I mean, the day before he about to come <laughs> back. Practice, bro. bro, dude, it was yeah. the weirdest. I literally just talked to KB about this, bro. I'm literally sitting on the <laughs> like sideline, like you know, just dribbling the ball under my legs and stuff, and they're running like plays. And this he just takes the ball with his left hand and like throws a one hand like no look pass and it goes by everybody and just <laughs> happens to hit me dead in the head sitting on the sidelines oh, and I just remember hitting and I was just like <laughs> yeah bro, I knew he was I knew it was raps bro. bro but uh funniest uh bro before we get into the interview. Bro, funniest memory from that team, bro. It's too many stories to pick from, but I need to hear what is, like, your one moment in, in that season, bro. It's way too many, but, like, just one that stick out to you. So I have a bunch of, like, personal because me and the coach did not get along very well. So there was <laughs> there was times in, like, after games where he would be cooking the team and I would, like, try to take myself away from getting cooked. Like, because he'd be like, we didn't hit no threes today. And I'd be like, and he would be like, what are you making that face for? I'd be like, of course we didn't hit threes. I attempted zero. <laughs> and these right, guys, you got a sniper, bro. That's why we didn't make any. 
And like, so it was just a back and forth with the coach for me too much. But I I cooked my boy Debo right in front of his face. And it it was really childish. Like he was just, it was the same argument. Like, bro, we're not making no threes. And I said, anytime this guy takes more threes than me, we're not going to win. That's a problem. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge no, issue. that's bro. actually kind of crazy. Yeah, no, it was crazy, Bro. but I was just mad. Like, I'm sorry. You like, yeah, yeah. it just kind of came up. Yeah, bro, my favorite memory, bro, before, like I said, we, we podding at this point, bro. We podding. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but my favorite, yeah. my, my favorite memory, bro, was – I want to say my favorite memory, but definitely going up to Apple Valley and, and Gary Trent and Trey Jones, bro. And, like, my the number one thing that – like, I mean, I could still remember it. Like, we down – like, by the way, Trey, I don't know if you know, you know who Trey Jones is and uh, Gary yeah, Trey yeah. Is both playing NBA. Yeah, I know. And so we went up, yeah, bro. So we went up to play them, bro, at the Timberwolves Arena, bro. First off, Holling is mad at us because we attempted NBA threes, include Marcus, bro. We pulling from deep, bro, the whole <laughs> game, bro. Yeah, we we down like we had to be down 30 a half, bro. <laughs> we getting t- <laughs> we get back to the locker room for halftime, bro. And uh, Holling is like, everybody, shh, everybody, quiet. And like, you could just hear them clapping. Like, out, like they locker room was right next to us. And Holling is like, that's the other team laughing at you because you guys suck. We can't make this. We're not getting any stops here. We're not doing any injuries here. Oh my God. Like, bro. And Marcus is laughing because that's exactly how it is, bro. That's how bro, he sounds. Like, so bro. Exactly how he sounds. And I'm like, bro, like, what do you want us to do, bro? Gary Trent is out here bullying everybody, bro. It was just a nasty – the whole season yeah. was nasty, but that game, I think that was the nastiest business I've ever been a part of, bro. Was, bro, they had, two, they had two NBA players and a seven-footer at center. We had no chance. Literally. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> zero, zero. But, man, good memories. But I want to get into the uh, the the episode, which is labeled Marcus. You know, you know we've been – thinking about this for a while and you know i needed to come up with a perfect title in this market price so the one thing that you have been known for the one thing that has been you know something that everybody has known you for is not even marcus is the mark kicks so in the world of making of career it takes a different type of individual to you know pursue entrepreneurship like the chance to build something for yourself and mold it into your own vision right so tell us a little bit about the origin of Mark Kicks and what went into creating the brand and how it has expanded, you know, nationwide. Yeah, for sure. Like I started pretty much in high school. Like uh, I got real big into collecting just shoes. Uh, started right. pretty much sophomore year of high school. So I'm just collecting, and then um, I wanted to make YouTube videos. I didn't really care mm-hmm. about a business or anything. I just really wanted to talk to people about the shoes I was getting. So mm-hmm. I, in high school as well, I got a camera for Christmas and I just started making YouTube videos. And um, as the YouTube channel grew, before, YouTube. And, <laughs> bro, yeah, for all the mainstream YouTube and all that, you was in there. I was yeah. I was way at the start, like before it yeah. was popular, before before I knew you could really make money off of it, too. Like I was just making videos mm-hmm. and I don't know how people were watching these. But as the following grew, I started getting more views and it kind of that's kind of the starting point for my actual shoe business, because I 
started making videos and then people started reaching out from the videos and asking, could I get them the shoes I was showing? So mm. then it went from me collecting my own shoe to I would go to the store and I would get my pair and then I would get two more for whoever asked for the shoe. And then right. I could sell those shoes and get enough to pay for my shoe. So I ended up just having free mm -hmm. shoes for me. And then I would take the profit from the other two sales. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's free shoes. Like, yeah, you, it was you perfect. Basically the villain that me and Jordan talk about with the resellers and all that. That's yeah, and you see, I got my <laughs> anti-resell, resell. Yeah, he got a shirt Reselling has facts, always facts. been like people, people beef with resellers, but I don't know. I just look at it as it's hard to get the shoes. And like sometimes resellers, like we like bump up the price and we bump up kind of the popularity for the shoe. Cause we've all yeah. noticed all you right. go to the store. If a shoe is sitting on the wall, not a lot of people going to want it. If they tell you this shoe, we only got one left is selling out. Now everybody wants it. So once the resellers right. stop buying stuff, that people are like, I don't know if I want it. But yeah, the business Watch, just kind of grew from that point of me buying the shoe and then selling the two extra to it grew to people asking for 10 shoes. And then I, I had 20 people coming to me and I needed 20 pairs. It was holiday Jordan 11s. I would be getting 50 pairs and people would see me at the mall and I'd be going, <laughs> people would be coming out the front door and I'd be going out the back door. <laughs> like, with, with 50 shoes. They'd be like, whoa, I thought I had 10 size 10s. And I got eight of them in the trunk. That's so like, crazy. Yeah, so it just, and then so it grew from that. How did you kind of go about getting that? Like getting to the point to where you could get like those different shoes. Cause I know it's, with some releases, they'll be like, Oh, we only, it's only one per customer and things like that. So how do you go about like kind of that process of establishing yourself to be able to buy multiple pairs of shoes? It's just, it, it was all relationships. That's what, that was the cool thing mm -hmm. about the shoe business is it was all just me. I was in Foot Locker and finish line and champs. I was there every day. So right. every day for the mall, I'm walking in, I'm talking to every employee got cool with the right people. And then it branched off to the local malls and the local stores can only do so much. You got to branch out. And I knew guys at the biggest Foot Locker in the United States. I'm talking to guys in New York. I'm talking to guys in Florida. And like, once you build that kind of network of all the people that you need to get all the product that you need, it kind of just it, yeah, it's its own thing from there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was pretty cool because uh yeah, on releases that I needed a lot and I needed a lot of pairs, I had the right people that could I could reach out to and you know get it done. Facts, right? And I think bro, like he like like he was saying earlier, like with the YouTube thing, I think he I would consider to be the OG, you know, guy in terms of like, you know, obviously Trey, why we we relate to this so much. Which is we both love shoes, obviously, as you know. But right. like, the thing of it was is like, man, like just the nostalgia of like thinking back to like sitting in lines and camping, bro. Like, even though that was Wait, the, the worst them. times ever, bro. Like sitting the outside, all -star bro, basketball bro. shoes, all of those, bro. But like the nostalgia the KD back in that time, back, bro. Like, uh, I think what what did I camp out for? I think I camped out for. This is insane to think about now, but this is nasty business. 
practice, but I think I camped out for the low concords and it was December. So could you imagine yeah. now would I ever do that again? Absolutely not. Absolutely. At that time, <laughs> it was crazy. But uh, Marcus, I do got another question for you in terms of like you talk about building relationships and that's just, you know, being able to establish those relationships is how you kind of went about building your brand and how it started mm -hmm. from something accidental. That's the same thing with us, Trey, um, in terms of our podcast is like we had a conversation. We didn't even think about having that. Was, yeah, that wasn't even couch. a thing yeah. until our conversation on that couch, bro. So um, we're yeah. definitely about organic things and stuff like that. But um, one of the things that we focus on, particularly on this podcast, is talking about setbacks and failures, like giving people that real in terms of this is how we got there. And this is the real of how we got here. Not just the, the you know, the rainbows and the, yeah, the, like signs, you made it now, the actual yeah. thing. Right. So can you share with us uh, a setback that you may have experienced with the business and what you took from it to help you grow personally and professionally? Yeah. Like it's funny because I'm, I'm kind of in a mood right now where it's like stuck, but I wouldn't call it a setback. My first real like business setback was, COVID. I mean, I, so after I'm getting, I've got my clientele and I've got all the shoes and I'm selling shoes, but I decided to branch off and try to make a part of the business where I could make some passive income. So I set up these, I have these key master machines. It's Mark Kicks vault. I put them in different malls. So right now I have five malls in four different States. So I got, I got the key master business and I got my passive income business, but that comes with rent and the rent is very, very expensive. So then mm -hmm. COVID hits and nobody's going in the mall. Nobody's in the mall. Like it's, and for a point, they even shut down the mall for two, three months. They're still asking for that rent. And I also have my, I also have a pretty bad spending car habit i got <laughs> bills i got bills and they're crazy bills <laughs> like right. for my age they're crazy bills so when that happened like i've never felt that type of like kind of fear kind of i i was just i was out of it i didn't i didn't know how i was gonna come out of it i didn't i thought this could be the point where like the business is done and I have to go do something. I got to go back to school. I got to try something else. So just dealing with that and then, you know, just grinding through it. Like it was some right. rough months. I wasn't eating out. Like it was, it was a rough time, but right. just stuck with it, grinded it, grinded it out and came out on the other side. Okay. But that was one of the setbacks during COVID. I just couldn't. I didn't even know how to act for real. So while you're talking about the key master thing and all of this, we, you know, I got to ask the question, is this thing rigged or not? Cause I mean, let's be honest. I've watched people do the key master. I got friends who have done it and we've sat there. And I'm, when I tell you my face has been glued to the glass and I, and it's another person on the other side of the glass and then there's somebody in the middle. We got three people looking at this key, trying to make sure it go in the hole. And we still miss. So I need to know what's really going down with this. Is there like a specific like, you messy, bro. it's really just rigged? I'm just See, I'm just wondering. See, I always tell people, first of all, the the idea of having the two people and the one person on the different sides of this, it's it's 
the worst plan you can go in there with. Nobody's reflexes are good enough to be you're holding the button and your friend like now and then you go, oh, and then it's, it's just already done. So that's a cooked method from the jump. Okay, okay. But, so what I will say about the machines is it's not rigged in terms of I've got 400 winners. Like I've handed out mm. so many shoes. I've had people win. I've had three winners in the same day. Like I've had so many That's winners crazy. where you know it's not rigged. It's just it's it's all about timing and in terms of like the money timing, you know. I get what like, you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you know, yeah. I got I got three thousand dollar shoes in there. As soon as you see them get put in there. You're not about to win those, bro. Like, right. <laughs> I, I would kind of like uh, the, right. the casinos some slot machines. You got to let yeah, somebody. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of along that premise. It's like if you see somebody win the slot jackpot and they like, oh, I just hit for 200 grand. Don't follow them and go to the same machine and be like, give me the 200. Like, right. <laughs> casinos wouldn't be a That's thing. dumb. Like, yeah, my my yeah. whole shoe. If you could just walk up in there and everybody could just win the Travis Scott, literally, I would be outside yeah, you doing with my it. Yeah. on the street. Bro. Yeah, like <laughs> so, like it's just Bro. you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm only imagining like I could only imagine like those two. I remember like obviously you post the winners and stuff like that. I imagine like mm-hmm. them people on the first time they hit on a shoe. I'm like, dang, bro. Like when you when I remember when you first came, I'm like, no way they hit on the first time. That is so crazy, bro. Like, yeah, that's wild. But yeah. I kind of get the, the origins of it as well. Bro, people walk in there and literally win from like they win off of five dollars. Like, and some people, like I've had a dude, I've watched the dude. This was like in the first like month of me having it. I go to the machine, mm-hmm. I'm checking this mug like every day just to make sure everything's going smooth. I watched this right. dude feed the machine like five hundred dollars. This that's dude nice. won't leave. Like he won't leave. And I was like, uh, bro, I was begging for him to win. Like I was like, yo, let me try. Like I put in the choice for me. I would try because I just want to try. I just on your own machine. That's crazy. I was like you're not about to spend five hundred and just leave, bro. So luckily at that time, I was doing a thing where I had Apple products in some of the shoes. So I had an AirPod Mm -hmm. in one of the shoes. So he didn't win, but I took the AirPod. I was like, you get an AirPod, bro. Like, you spent five. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, that's a lot, bro. But he was trying trying to win like $2,500 shoes. So I mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight. I can see where he sense, But I mean, 500 tries and you still don't get it. That's like. Yeah, bro. That's like he had to be sitting there for an hour, bro. We, he was there for literally two hours. Mm-hmm. Bro, yeah, no, the frustration crazy. level I would have, bro, would be crazy, bro. Like, yeah, I, no, I couldn't sure. even imagine, bro. But um, man, like I think the the other side of it too is like um, you being able to expand the business, and I, I, it was really, really cool for me to watch it, bro. Like you build it from the ground up, like mm-hmm. particularly like. Because I remember um, one of the things that I was super excited, bro. Try this, this is another funny story about this. Is like, <laughs> I don't want to actually, I'm gonna say it, forget it. We could never have team dinners at Marcus' house. 
for obvious reasons, bro. Because we got too right. many years. <laughs> so I can't say that, bro, on a new bro, for the, yeah. But, uh, man, like, it was cool to see, like, Marcus, and obviously I'm a, you know, sneakerhead myself. Like, it, I remember, like, one of the cool, like, moments was when the Pantone pack had came out, bro, and the, I think it was the 28th you had wore. Oh, my God. Like, it was, like, seeing them on the feet, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that was, it was a crazy moment. Yeah. So it's been cool to watch you build this um this empire that you've you've built but the other side of it too is like the entrepreneurship and i think we already hit you know touch base a little bit on you know the how it can be uh a good a blessing and a curse you know what i'm saying you, it's a business that fluctuates right so one of the strong things that i possess about starting your own thing is to make sure that there's a market for the product you know what are you selling have a reserve to back your business you know, you know, most importantly, because you're going to be in the red for a while and having a, a passion for what you're doing. So my, my question to you would be, what would be your advice to someone who may be considering starting their own business, in particular one where the market might fluctuate a lot, as you've already explained? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the love of the business is what is going to keep keep you afloat in terms of on the bad days and the good days. If I was doing something I right. didn't love, as soon as COVID happened, I'm pivoting and I'm going to something else. Like I got to go do something else. I need a steady paycheck, whatever. But like, as long as you, if when you love the business, like it's, it's, it's like your baby. Like if some, something happens right. to Mark Hicks, like I, I kind of feel like the business Mark Hicks is, also my personality like when people think of markets right. it's just myself so like i've always been big on building a brand and i think markets would be my brand and that's just a part of the business but like in terms of starting it's it's just one of those things it, it's always going to be a risk it's harder to start a business than it is to just fill out a job application so a lot of people want to start businesses, but people will just kind of, you know, it, it's hard to get that start. So everything's just about starting. And it, it, you may look stupid at the start. You may people just may think you're weird or like, right. I know everybody does it. Everybody sees somebody start a business and they're like, this is corny. And like, you know, they just kind of they kind of write them off as soon as it starts. Like, oh, they're not going to be doing this in a month. Just like fight that and just don't care what people think. And then once you start the business, it you you have a chance to do something special with your own thing. So it feels good. So absolutely. And before Trey, I know you Trey, you got a question here, but um you touched on something real quick for me, Marcus, was um like when you started something this it kind of I wouldn't even say it kind of feels personally corny, but you putting yourself out there pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly for us, Trey, like we kind of battled that too. Like particularly the narrative that podcast has like, mm -hmm. oh my God, here these guys like, go with a mic. Just talk about oh, yeah. God. They yeah. about to just be talking to some BS, bro. And like, yeah, fact. And I think we battled that too. And I'm like, bro, this is not a normal day. You know, we talk about real things. We actually put in effort. I'm up script right. And we up, you know, conjuring up ideas every day. You know what I'm saying? We're putting actual effort in on top of doing what we do in our own careers. And so, like you said, having that passion behind it and not really caring about what people have to say or think about you is really, really important, particularly because when you start something like I've noticed something about, you know, us, like people didn't start really supporting us until like a year, a year and a half mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Like they was like, oh, they're continuing to go. Yeah. Like 
it's not like a fad, bro. Like, oh my God. Like at first it was like, all right, these are our boys, so we're gonna support. And then they kind of dip off. And mm. then they're like, oh, these guys are actually legit putting in work. They're actually putting in real content and thinking about the things that they're doing. So um, I think that's a really, really dope honest, you know, answer is to, you know, keep going um with what you're doing and have a passion behind it. But go ahead, Trey, with your question, bro. I just wanted to touch on that for sure. Yeah, and what I would say, my question would be for you is that, you know, our podcast is a lot about mental health and mental health for men. So I would say, what kind of mental health challenges did you have when you were starting your business, when COVID jumped in and then you kind of had those struggles? Like, what kind of problems did you think that came about? And then what kind of like help did you seek? Like, did you have exterior people helping you? Was it kind of more internal motivation or how did you go about that? Mm, yeah, like it's funny because the mental health thing, I know it's it's got popular. I never knew what it was. So when I'm going through just lack of confidence because the business is doing poorly, you know, dude, sometimes we just bottle that in and we just it just sits in there. Um, but right. during COVID, like, yeah, I I wasn't doing good. I, it was it was a lack of confidence in and it kind of branched into so many parts of my life. Like there was times I just wouldn't go get a haircut, like just little things like that. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was bothering me so much. And I didn't realize that just even, you know, going to somebody to talk or doing anything, like I didn't know what kind of difference that could make. Um, But then it's funny because I actually reached out to somebody I, I, don't really talk to that much. And it's a dude that I know uh, back from college. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we would just talk like for like an hour, we go through different ideas and stuff. And it's just funny how much that helped me kind of get over everything. Like it, it turned my confidence all the way around where I'm, I'm not just not confident because the business revenue is down. Like now I'm just I'm I'm a steady guy in terms of if business is bad, I don't just completely drop off. So, yeah, it's been interesting kind of going through all of that and um, kind of where I'm at right now. Particularly, like, I mean, we just it ties into trade like our last episode we just had was imposter syndrome, bro. And we were I was kind of explaining about how, like, you know, particularly being in this space that I'm in the mental health space, obviously, and psychology and then being the only black male in my you know cohort or whatever and i was talking about i remember going up to my i would i say i shouldn't say i remember it was only like a month ago uh going up to my teacher bro and telling her like like seriously like even though i know i can do this at that moment i'm hearing people talk about things that i've never heard of or interventions and stuff like that and even though i've been doing this at a high level i put a lot of work into the mental health and psychology route otherwise i wouldn't be here you kind of feel like when you're in this space and you, know, you don't really got any, even tying into you, Marcus, you don't really have like a person that's mentoring you or somebody that looks exactly like you, as young as you, like we're kind of pioneers. So it feels a little bit weird when you put yourself out there and then like you're around other people that, that you don't look like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't really got a mentor in this space. And so you speak into that imposter syndrome bro about like even though i know i can do this you you that lack of confidence when like those dips do come 
because there's they're inevitable, bro. Like for us, bro, like there's gonna be a lot of times where we got a lot of viewership. We talk about it all the time. We look yeah. at the numbers, like dang, like we got a lot. And then there's some episodes like we think we killed it, man. Like, oh my god, this yeah. is a dope episode. Nobody and the yeah. views, yeah. So it is a really like uh, it's the same thing for you. It's like, man, like when I'm in a market where like so so many things, there's so many factors that that come to play here. So um, I'm glad that you talked a little bit about that imposter syndrome and how you and, went about battling that. And that's funny because like like where you guys are at now, when I was I don't even know when I was doing better in the business, instead mm-hmm. of just continuing to just keep going steady. I kind of wanted to show people that the business was going good. And I wish I could go back Mm. and change everything that I did back then because I took the imposter syndrome into something totally different. I wanted to show people that the business is booming. So that led me to buy stuff and do stuff that I definitely shouldn't have done in terms of you, you, you know, you've know. been following me forever. I went through a phase. <laughs> I of, know. I went through the craziest flexing phase you've at one of oh, you probably ever right. seen. Bro. Crazy, bro. Crazy. <laughs> and it wasn't so. But here's what I will say: the cars. I I just have a love for cars, so that that was probably right. gonna happen without trying to flex. But then I'm like, you know what? Let's go. Spend you were throwing the shoes on the cars jet. too, weren't you? I'm on a private jet, bro, and I'm taking okay. pictures, and I'm and I gotta take eighty pictures. I'm I got a vlog <laughs> going through the private, like so. It was yeah. just some wild stuff that I wish I could go back and not do. But yeah, I'm glad you're at a point where y'all feel like whatever we doing is working. Let's just keep building it. Y'all don't need to post up, go take pictures with Joe Budden, and just be like, yeah, we really doing this. Y'all don't have to do that. <laughs> Back, back. I think the bro, you you bring something like definitely like, and I think that's the hard part too. Um, particularly like even for you or you know, and you have great insight that you just shared. Or, um, for us too, I think there is those moments when you've been doing it. Well, we've been going on two years now, Trey, for the podcast. It's almost about a yeah. year and a half now. There is those moments, and we've talked about this before, where it's like, bro, I just want to go viral, man. F it, bro. Like, how have yeah, we got to go? Yeah, we, yeah. And um, we always come back to the center and, and Hale is kind of the one he's not on this, but he's the one that kind of centers us down like, hey, bro, like this is not why we started this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, remember yeah. why we started this. And I'm so glad that you I think we've built a group around us where it's like we kind of all kind of mellow each other out. Like if you was around all of us, yeah, working, we'd we be completely like different, different personalities, bro. Yeah. But um, yeah, just continuing to be steady for sure. For sure. Um, and this will be my last question to you. I know Trey got a more for you but as you know this season is labeled season of separation as we interview those who we think have separated themselves from their peers or the crowd or whatever you want to call it so for you and all of your success you have the sneaker reselling game and the business that's you know stem from that success what would you say were the key elements the key things that went into Marcus separating himself from the competition oh that's a good question I guess mine would just be the brand building part of it, where I wanted people to know that Mark Hicks was a legit spot to get shoes. And I was just I was always going to be there. It was going to be steady. It wasn't like you hit me up and 
he don't do it or he don't got this or right. Yeah, there there was just no fall off. Like I, I was always gonna be there. I was gonna be steady. And what separates at the end of the day, what's gonna separate you is your brand and your name. And I took that real personal. So there was no like, no like, oh yeah, he might be selling fakes or just how other right. people will let their brand be played with. Like mine was nothing that you could play yeah. with. I was always so, gonna be death row. Death row. Yeah, like I've always yeah, go be there. It's gonna be steady. And I feel like the yeah. brand is what separates you because in a game where it got real popular at some point to start selling shoes. So I always wanted the brand of Marquettes to be people would throw out different names you could go shop with or go talk to about shoes. I you all, there was always Marquettes, so I always wanted to be in that conversation. For sure, man. I okay. think you've cemented yeah, yourself, man, as an OG in the game, man. Yeah, you definitely an old head in the game. Man, yeah, you know, man. Three and man, four pairs yeah, bro. Out here trying to sit here and get the all-star bronze. You had seven of them. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Bro. But um, sure. I would definitely say switching gears now, Talk, trying to talk about your uh, golf career, you going to college, playing playing. um the highest level of golf, some would say. What do you think? Uh, first, we'll start out with like, what is your what is your handicap now? Would you say? And do you still golf a lot? I go. I I golf a lot. My back, like, it's funny because I had a really bad swing in high school. Like, my swing was bad. I just knew how to score. Like, I'm still gonna have shoot a good mm. score, but my swing was pretty brutal, and it destroyed my back. And I'm still dealing with back issues, so I can't golf as much. But I'm still very good. Like I went to I I I don't want to say I live on a golf course because that sounds like you're just cra- like I'm crazy. But I live <laughs> close to a golf course. But uh-huh. so I golf a lot, and I, like I just shot like a 67. So technically, if I start entering Same my scratch guy, yeah. So if I enter it, it's gonna say scratch. I don't like to be scratched personally because when you go play in golf tournaments, like even just joking around yeah, and stuff. Have that. Then yeah, like, they make, yeah they make you seem like you tiger woods and it's like bro i don't want to <laughs> be i just want to be a normal guy <laughs> so, sure. so yeah i play a lot of golf so how would you say you go about scoring easier like what are some tips that you could give like like a beginner golfer like myself and like a lot of my friends golf as well and like a lot of us are kind of just starting so what would you say are like some things that you could do to like have a better score well first of all as soon as you go to the driving range like i don't even want you to go get a bucket of balls or go start hitting driver as soon as you get there you need to go straight to the putting green and just sit there and putt for for (laughs) a long time like 45 minutes at a time just sit there and putt because people don't realize how much that does for your score. Everybody's like, oh, I just want to hit it far and I'll figure out the putting when we get there because I got to get to the green first. <laughs> but I'm telling you, if you can get on the green and know that it's going to take you two putts to get in the hole, it it's a huge, it's, it's crazy. But then in terms of actually like hitting good shots and making like solid contact and stuff like that, you just want to get to like a go-to club or like a club you feel comfortable with. When I first started, I had like a hybrid, which is like the mix between an iron and like a driver, say. 
And I, I knew no what that every- yeah, you knew how far I was going. You knew where. Yeah, like so. I knew if I got this hybrid in my hand, I could hit that mug one sixty, and then if I needed another one sixty, I could pull the hybrid out and go one sixty. Like I knew if I had this glove in my hand, I was solid. So it's like, you know, you just got to get comfortable, and yeah. then once you get your swing down, once you get your club, like oh, I got this club, then it kind of just goes yeah. So you're definitely a firm believer in the tiger method, learning from putting and then going back out. Yeah, you almost you almost have to. Like I if anytime I'm playing with somebody and like they're decent around, like they can hit the ball far, stuff like that. I know once we get to the green that I can separate myself. Like right. they're gonna be they're gonna hit it, it's gonna go way too far, and then they're gonna hit it back and be knocking it all around, and I'm just That's and I'm out of here. Yeah. So I, so yeah, putting is putting is a big deal. So how would you say? So you swing. Yeah, you need some help. We know about you, bro. It's bad. When I say it's bad, Marcus is bad. But <laughs> I'm gonna let you go, Trey. But we gonna we gonna definitely get it in on the green, bro. I'm, I gotta yeah, get better. We did. It's bad. Um, another thing I would say is that so you were still balancing your business along with being a college athlete and putting all the hours in that you have to do for golf, which I feel like. It's almost more dedication that you have to put in than anything else, honestly, than any other sport, because there's so many different types of shots. There's so many different scenarios you can be in. So how did you kind of balance your business along with being an athlete and still going to school and all those different things? Yeah, that's it's a good golf is almost like the perfect sport, like in terms of being like a college athlete, the schedule that I had was just, it was beautiful. Like we didn't, we only did team practices every now and then, but a lot of times the coach would just be like, go to the golf course, like just go play whenever you want to play, go hit whenever you want to hit. So like, I got to a point where I had my schedule like perfected. Like I could, I knew I had classes in the morning and then right at noon, I could go to the golf course, eat lunch and I could hit on the range, then go play nine holes and as I'm walking, because we all walked nine holes, right. I'm hitting walk. the shot right. and I'm walking and I'm on the phone and I'm, you know, oh, buying shoes, talking to people. That's and a then grind. The next shot, like it was stuff like that. So it was like the perfect schedule for me. Like, and college golf was like, I would say it's the best sport to play in college just because the schedule is so chill. We was traveling, we was going to Texas and New Orleans and, like it was, just, it was perfect. Do you think that kind of helped you make like connections since you were always in all those different areas? Man, I had so so many connections just from going different places, going in Texas. Yeah. It's funny, my all my golf teammates knew. Like whenever we got to a spot, I was looking up the mall there, and I was going because a lot of the tournaments were on weekends. So like I didn't want right, to. So you had that extra time. Yeah, and I didn't want to miss shoe releases. So like. I would go after we played, I would go to try to get to a mall or call the mall where I was and ask what right. they could do, if they could hold a shoe, anything like that. So it would it would it end up just being perfect. And how I even got to playing college golf, it, it goes back to the love for cars because I wanted to play basketball in college and I had a basketball offer to play not I was playing Don offered me but <laughs> but right. I really wanted I to play you. yeah like my dad made a bet with me 
And he going I hope he sees this because I <laughs> Yeah, bro, we're gonna this. share it with him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to him about this literally every year. He made a bet with me that if I got a D1 scholarship and it was a full ride, that he was gonna get me mm-hmm. a Camaro, a brand new Camaro. Oh, right. okay, okay. A brand yeah, new Camaro. Yeah. So I right. gr- once I figured out that basketball was not gonna get me D1. And that's a funny story, too. When I found out that basketball wasn't going to take me D1, I switched to golf and I just went crazy. Like, I golfed every second. I was practicing so hard. And once I got that D1 scholarship, I called that man and said, hey, let's go get that Camaro, my boy. He was like, we're going to have to switch it to something else. We're going to have to it. Wow. He he pulled the okie doke. <laughs> On you, man. Yeah, you put the he had to second guess himself. He was like, "Hold on, I didn't think he was gonna go do it in golf, and that's crazy." <laughs> so we also we kind of talked have... about. Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. So we were also kind of talking about how, like, for instance, Jordan going into um, his field that he's in now, and how he's a minority in that field, and he's one of one type of person. Would you say that you've kind of faced any adversities with that? Because we all know golf is um, predominantly white sport. There's not a lot of black men in golf. Tiger Woods is maybe the only one 98% of all people know. So would you say that you battled any adversities trying to be a um, D1 golfer? Um, I wouldn't say there has been crazy adversity only because it probably helped that my parents were well off. Like, so I wasn't, I didn't have to go to the golf course and not have clubs. Like the, the kids that I see now, like sometimes you go to the course, like they don't even, if you go watch some of the OPS and public school golf teams, like they don't have clubs, they Mm -hmm. don't have gear. We were out there with Vincent golf team and a guy's wearing LeBron shoes and he's got a beater on. Like, so it's like coming from, yeah. So I didn't have to deal with that. Like they, they had me set up in terms of, I got all my gear. I got new club and I went to a good golf coach. Once I got serious about golf, they were able to send me to a good golf coach, but I can, I can see how, if I wasn't in that situation, I, I don't even know how you would do it. It's, it would just be such a grind in terms of you're not able to go to the best golf coach in the city. Like you're not able right. to get the club that you need to even compete. So golf, golf is expensive as, as its own, honestly. Golf, like, it's, it's, the expensive. it's so expensive. And if you didn't, if you don't have the means, like it kind of shuts the door on black golfers right away. It's like, mm-hmm. as soon as they get there, they're like, oh, you don't have this. You got to go. Like some courses yeah, right. won't even let you on if you don't have a collared shirt. Exactly. Yeah. So like what what about the guy from Benson? Like how is he supposed to play just because he doesn't have a collared shirt? So golf is right. definitely one of those sports that we need more people to help and grow the game. I know Steph is doing it. You said I was a Golden State guy. Steph is big into <laughs> yeah. growing the game yeah. black athlete. So like uh, that's my guy. Nice. Seeing all right. these Athletes hitting these hole in ones. I know you saw <laughs> Steph's hole in one. I have you seen Dwayne Wade hit a hole in one on hole seven at Pebble Beach? Bro, this stuff makes me so mad. Why are guys that aren't good hitting more hitting hole in ones before me? 
Like it's making oh, you, still you ain't got, got one yet. I don't have a hole in one, and I'm watching Dwayne Wade hit it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, bro. Hey, that's nasty business, bro. That's nasty business. Uh man. Reggie Bush has one too. Yeah, bro. I've seen them all. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> hey, bro. We gonna get we gonna get one for you, bro. Next year for sure. I, I'm manifesting that for you, dog. I'm manifesting Let's that for you, go. dog. But for sure, for sure. But we, you know, as we wrap up this, man, you know, we can't do. I mean, it's been a dope interview, but. We can't we can't wrap it up like this. We gotta wrap it up because we got three sneakerheads in the in the room, bro. So yeah, Trey definitely. got he got a question for you, man. We gotta end on the shoe question, yeah. bro. So what is it, Trey? We know you got a million pairs of shoes, all of this. What would you say is your favorite pair of shoes that you own? And what would you say is like if there's a shoe that you don't have or you couldn't get? knowing that you probably can get all of them. But if there was a shoe that you couldn't get, what would it be? And why do you want that shoe? And we could kind of go around and like, we could go like, I'll start for instance. My favorite shoe now I would say is the Fragment Scots that I have. Those are, I don't know why, them them low ones, it's just something different. Like, I don't know, nice. and the, so nice. the backwards Nike sign, all of that, like, I, I, I rock with it, I rock with it. I think it's just unique and it's different. Mm-hmm. That's why I like that. And then my Holy Grail shoe, the shoe that I really want and I will have this shoe. I might even wear it at my wedding. You never know. But yeah, yeah, uh, that shoe it. is it's, it's the what the Kobe hates. Like those those are the shoes. Those are the ones to me. I've always, always thought that they were the coolest shoes. Always try to get my hands on them, and then it gets to oh, they're this much money. Then you like, is it really worth me getting these shoes? Yeah. So I've been kind of stalling out, but I will have them at some point. Think uh, for me, bro. Uh, what would I say, man? I think just the sentimental value. My first pair of J's. So I'm gonna say my first. I wouldn't call it my best shoe. I, I got too many. I, I you know, only rock yeah. Jordans though. But like my most sentimental Jordan. And it might not be the best Jordan, but like in my collection, it's actually not even by far. But my most sentimental one definitely is the Raptor Sevens, just because somebody threatened to kill me as I was, <laughs> as I was, bro. I'm sitting in line, bro, like camping, bro, and it's this dude, bro, like he going around, like, hey, bro, like what? Uh, he's like, what size? He going around asking everybody what their size is. And I'm like, dog, I, I can't remember. I, th- I don't think I'm like 13 at this time, 13 or 14. I mean, I was you a, I was a, right size. Kid, but like, yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, you told the wrong. <laughs> nah, bro. No, I actually no. You're right. I did tell him the right size. I was an idiot, bro. I was just scared, bro. So, <laughs> bro, he comes up to me. He was like, "What size you wear, homie?" I'm like, 11 and a half. He's like, "You don't wear my size. You good, bro?" My heart. Like, excuse my language, mom. My heart was in my ass, so like, I was like, "Oh my god, bro, I'm gonna get my shoe, and I'm not about to get spilled over this, bro." Like, and he yeah, like, I don't he know, he got into it with somebody, bro. But like, just like that camping out, and like, just the whole time I'm paying for it, I'm like on edge, bro. Like, oh my god, bro, somebody, about, as soon as I step out the store, bro, somebody about to sock me, bro. <laughs> bro, that's so that's my most sentimental shoe, bro. Is my Raptor Sevens, bro, just because the fear I was in. Just to get those shoes was just crazy, bro. Just crazy. Yeah. Uh, Grail, like a shoe that I would want. Oh, that's tough, man. I don't, I don't know, man. Like, 
I don't think there's like a like, dang, I gotta have that. You know what? Are we gonna get to Marcus? Let me think on that, bro. Let me yeah, think you, on that for a little bit. Let that Marcus, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm gonna let that marinate. I'm gonna let that sit down for a minute. It's funny because I was gonna go grab him, but I I'm gonna relax. Go <laughs> <laughs> relax. The um so one of my favorite shoes are probably up there my favorites i've always liked jordan fives i know they're like big and bulky and i'm right. i'm five nine but i wear a size 12 so my foot looks massive and like <laughs> especially the jordan five it looks crazy on me i just love these right. shoes so right. i've got the bel air five and when they first drop so this was the first drop they've recently released the second time but they're not as cool the first drop First of all, they only released in five foot lockers all around the United States. So you already right. weren't getting them. And right. every shoe on the inside, there's a pattern that Will Smith in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, when he flipped his private school jacket and it had the crazy pattern on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. It's a pattern like that on the inside of the shoe. And every shoe has a different pattern. So no oh, shoe will Lord, have the cool. same pattern. Yeah. So it's. It's a crazy like. Yeah, I didn't even know that thing. about those. Yeah, bro, they look That's they look crazy. crazy. Yeah, um, and then uh, your Grail, the Kobe. Uh, yeah, that was a shoe that I got from our late friend Rambo Ramsey. Man, shout out um, to my boy Ramsey. We talked about him on the pod. For sure. Yeah, that's my guy. So yeah, we, I remember. He had the Kobe's and they're one size too big. Like I wear a size 12. He had a 13. You got a 13. But I was like, bro, please. And like we talked about this (laughs) for months, like months. And then Uh, just on a random day, he was like, bro, if you really want them, come to my house. And I was at his house in like 15 minutes. It was like 25 minutes away. I was there at 15. I was like, thank you. Thank you. I was so happy to have those Kobe there. So yeah, they, obviously, because that's our friend who passed. So he that you will never leave the collection. Like I'll just always Yeah, that's near and dear. Yeah. For so and then sure, the shoe sure. that the grail. Grails are weird because I've always I've always been weird about grails in terms of like it's hard to say a newer shoe would be my grail since I've go so far back in the sneaker game, but right. Uh, it'd probably be the Air Yeezy Red Octobers back when Yeezy was at Nike. Okay. Red Octobers is nice. That Red October. Oh, that's man, nuts. Bro, and like in my size, like I think they're running for like $9,000 in a size 12, like brand new. So like Jeez. I've always said one day I would like if I had a kid, all the shoes are going to go. I'm going to sell most pretty much 90% of the collection. I would buy a Red October. And then I'm using the rest on baby stuff. Like, it'd be a good investment. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely, definitely a good one. You, you have some time to marinate, man. You done thought about it. Man, bro, uh, I'm going to say my, but this is, I got to go Nike basketball on this, man. And it's only because mm-hmm. I don't got these, uh, Oh, Trey, you don't think you heard this story, but I don't know if Marcus heard this story too, but but like I think I had bro, I had the biggest collection in high school, bro. And then I got my foster brother stole like all my shoes, bro. I don't I think yeah, you had you know this, this was that. yeah. 
Yeah, you told me bro, about that. Oh, oh my goodness, bro. So I haven't. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I can afford them now. Well, not now. I'm a broke college student. But once I get out of college, bro, uh, I'm pretty yeah, sure they're like, probably like 300, 400. Uh, was my uh, scoring title KD4s. That oh. was like my baby, bro. Like, oh my god, like, yeah. <laughs> bro. I would have, bro. I'm so hot at them, bro. Like, my scoring titles when he stole them, but that was that that really hurt me. And then, uh, I think that would probably be the the main one for sure, for sure. But we uh pushing up on time now, man. So as we wrap this up, Marcus, we we like to do a little thing. I got a segment called Jordan Flowers where. I try to give our guests our flowers. I think one of the things we try to do on here is be as positive and let people know, you know, pretty much how, you know, you're impacting our community or impacting us. And so, bro, we want to give you our, our, you know, your flowers in the sense that, bro, you put your, you know, one of the things that we were talking about, Trey, um, is when we were started, we really had no direction. Like, we were like, bro, like, how are we going to do this, bro? We ain't really got, I ain't even have a job, bro, (laughs) when we started. Uh, But um, I remember hitting, you up, Marcus, and um, was like, bro, like we're starting this up, bro. Like I'll kind of let you know what we kind of had discussed and everything. And he was like, bro, in any way, shape, or form, if I can help you, bro, let's do it. Like it didn't really take much for you, bro. After I laid it out for you, and you came through and, and helped us out, and uh, that's why you know we always put your brand out. That's why we're always shouting you out, and that's why it was really, really important for us to have this interview was to let people know that you have been you stuck your. When we talked about it on this podcast. Always been there for you, sticking your neck out there. Yeah, for sure, with mm-hmm. the support. So we appreciate you so much, bro. And outside of you just supporting us, bro, we appreciate the person that you are and all that you're doing, man. So thank you so much for doing this interview, bro. It's been a, been a dope one. Been a yeah, we really dope one for sure. It, we definitely all gonna have to get out in the links one day. No, to, sure. yeah, yeah. Run things and see yeah. see if yeah. you can teach me a little something about putting, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I got both of y'all. I'm gonna help both. Bro, of y'all. I don't know if I can drive the ball, bro. I gotta start at the button. This is crazy, bro. Like, dang, I'm really am sorry, bro. Like, bro, you know y'all- what? I stay away from stuff. I'm sorry at. <laughs> bro, bro, y'all strong dudes too. Like, so like y'all gonna see me hit the ball and you're gonna be like, why is this dude out driving me? Like, bro, I'm strong. Yeah. Like, so like when we get y'all swings right, like bro, y'all can hit it far. Right. Like, so if, if the game go get fun once y'all able to start hitting it super far, then yeah. Then we're gonna be great. Right. Sure, man. Yeah, we gonna be playing this, bro. What are you planning this? Hey, Trey, we're going to oh, get gonna you to the old road. We're going to make something happen. Yeah, I do need to come. Happen, I'm going to come out there. Yeah. Whenever sure. you get back yeah, over sure, there, sure. I'm going to come out there. Man, summer of 2024, bro. Let's just go ahead and put this in the air, bro. Put this in the We're air. Gonna have to or you know what, bro? Hey, my money you might be right. Don't even say winner. Don't even no, say winner. No, I'm not going to say winner, bro. I'm just going to say my, my money might be right, bro. So maybe, you know, we can... Definitely, man. We gotta go. I seen you. Hold on, Marcus. You was out in Hawaii, bro, on a golf course, but I don't know, Trey. You don't follow him, but like, bro, like that golf course is beautiful, dog. Like, bro, I remember posting that. That was crazy. Yeah, Pre- President Obama played at that golf course. Like, I had to. Man, that was. Yeah, it was, was. It was one of them ones. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Model Empowered Narratives, the podcast, um, season of three of separation. Man, appreciate you, Marcus, for being on. 